Today's conversation, I've titled uh, on the topic of grace, I've titled what it means to be chosen. Any of you watch the Chosen series, by the way? I highly recommend it. There's an app you can download, um, but you can also watch it on other platforms. Uh, But I I want to talk to you about what it means to be chosen, whether it is fair or unfair, whether we're happy about being chosen or not, and what it means for those who it would seem aren't chosen. I know that's a big topic. So I'm going to give a good uh, 25 minutes to it and see how far we get. The testimony we're going to share uh, this morning is actually from a young man in our J-Bay congregation. So we filmed him there, uh, a big cheer to J-Bay um, and uh, Lloyd, who's doing a phenomenal job leading the church in Jeffreys Bay. And uh, I'm going to share with you a little of what it looks like uh, to walk in obedience to Jesus when you don't have a complicated history, the two people we've shared so far have complicated pasts. But this is somebody who doesn't have a complicated past. They have a healthy, uh, ordinary, uh, uncomplicated journey, but then to encounter Christ and to know what that looks like. I also want to say that um, Lucky's shoes were fully covered by the end of the service itself, and has subsequently to that, we've put the additional resource into a scholarship to provide for him as and when he might need that in the future. And in addition to that, a business person uh, made a substantial commitment, a a deposit rather, to say for other uh, events of generosity that God leads us in, here's some resources to do that with. And I wanted to acknowledge that and say uh, thank you very much. I think God is going to use us in this country um, to break the spirit of lack um, and an attitude of mindset of insufficient and inadequate and impossible uh, that God could resource us in all kinds of ways to, to make a difference. I think that's something very important. And um, so this five-minute clip, uh, somebody's being called by the Lord, so just might want to, because uh, we're going to go into a clip now, and you're going to um, tell them they should be in church with you. Nobody, nobody should phone you while you're in church. Uh, I'm joking. Uh, maybe some people will be very surprised you. I don't know. I'm just asking. Um, but um, this young man, uh, it, it tells the story of what it looks like to go from spectator to follower. Have a listen. For a long time, I've been I've been trying to 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 basically fill a void that I've been having in the sense of getting things. You know, I thought if, if I do this, that's going to be great. It's there for a day or two, and it's gone. And I was just didn't matter what I was doing, nothing helped. And I said to myself, but there's something missing. There's something big and missing, and I don't know what it is. Look, I'm a I, I would I would say I'm in a very um, um, successful career at this point in my life. Um, the possibilities are endless. It's a very high and stressful environment. But it just showed me that if I just give the control and trust God, you know, and I asked Him for help and not try to intervene, it came through. Sure. I haven't been the perfect Christian. Why, why me? 
I mean, I could have just, I know it's a hard path, but I mean, I haven't been the perfect example, yeah. the perfect husband to my wife, the perfect friend to my friends, the perfect son to my mother. But yet again, God helped me and he said, this, I mean, it's like I said, it's, it's way bigger than me. And I just felt, I don't deserve this. So I would say the, so I was, I was actually introduced to, to church from like we all do, brought up in your house and everything in the Kikak and that, but um, I was never, I never had that feeling of fulfillment when I, when I went to church. Yeah. And um, my brother Diavan, as you know him as well, he's a very big, big inspiration in my life regarding that. And I think um, he asked me the one day, just come, just come to Father's house I and mean, just try it out. Got nothing to lose. Please, just, just try once. The coffee is free, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> so just come and try it. Yeah. And I decided, okay, let's let's go and I'll go. Um, I'll, I'll make some time on my busy schedule. Mm. Always an excuse mm. not to go, as you know. Yeah. And um, and I firstly went to the, the North End branch, and um, I quite liked it. But since you guys were in jail, my mother was the second big inspiration. She's been nagging me, just come to church. I would like you to meet everybody, and mm. and just you know, I would like to introduce you to everyone. And in that time of my life, I felt like it wasn't something I needed. Okay. I wasn't, I felt like I had control, I had, I had this. Yeah. And I came to, to church that, that once, that first Sunday, which is about three months ago, I think. And you know, when you're going through things in your life and you've been asking a question and you don't have the answers. Mm. Um, so that's uh, that service that I came in, I think Pastor George was, I don't know exactly what he preached about, but that it, it, all the words he said in that sermon felt like it's like answer after answer after answer after answer to all my questions I've had. And right there, I just had the overwhelming feeling to say, I told my wife, I looked at her, I said to her, I'm volunteering. I mean, yeah, you were up hosting and I said to her, I'm going to make a commitment. And the only way for me to commit myself to this, to fully commit, is to volunteer. Because mm. that's going to keep me and help me keep myself accountable mm. to do. And I've not been looking back ever since. In fact, Randolph went from visiting the service in Jeffreys Bay to volunteering, I think, every Sunday since then at um, church. And uh, so I want to acknowledge him and his family uh, who have been amazing. Uh, his mom is a nurse in Human Storp. His brother is a paramedic. And his brother's wife, who Nino sings on the stage often, just to the whole family. Wonderful to have you part of the family. Would you... <laughs> You know, the idea of control comes across very strongly in that testimony. When I have control versus when God has control. And the difference in the way that that impacts your life is really powerful. And I think there is something to be said for having a faith that isn't just an addendum or supplement or an extra to your life, but core, fundamental, central to everything that you know and think and do. It gets filtered first through faith and then it gets applied everywhere else. And there's something powerful about having an anchor that strong. 1 Peter chapter 2 takes us a little to the uh, a scripture to the uh, uh, topic of conversation, what it means to be chosen by God. This idea of God 
picking people to pull into his family. And then what about if you feel like you aren't chosen and what that looks like? I know that's a, that's a tough topic, right? There's like there's some prayer warriors are praying now. But uh, 1 Peter 2 says this, but, we, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you might declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you uh, had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I guess one of the best ways for me to describe this topic is to talk to you a little bit about something very practical. I think that we should all be taught and we should probably write it down somewhere. We should have etiquette rules on certain things. Oh, the sensitivity level just rose. I, I, think, I think it's important to have some good manners or behaviors about certain things, especially when you lend stuff from your friends. I think it's important that there should be uh, terms and conditions to lending and borrowing. Can we have an amen? If you've ever lost a book, you've lost Tupperware, you've lost a drill, you've lost a lawnmower, you've lost a weed eater. I'm just going to use it for a little bit. I'm just going to use it for a day or two. I think there should be etiquette even to borrowing a car. Can we have an amen there? I mean, I think, I think if you borrow a car, it should at least be equal or better condition upon return. So I don't want to know if you've used my car that you also had KFC for lunch that day. Now it's my problem to remove your KFC. I mean, it's parents looking at their children right now as if to say, the Lord brought you to this church here today for you to repent. I think there should be, I even think, to be honest, I mean, if I'm fully grown up about this. I think if you use somebody's car for a couple of days, you should, you should, you should put petrol in. I, I feel they should get it back uh, with a full tank of, of petrol. I, I feel. Can we, can we have an amen? It's just a feeling. It's just a feeling. But if I'm going to lend you something, you're going to borrow something. This is very important. I've almost given up. I don't, I've almost given up of lending books out to people. Now I just tell everybody that all my books are digital and you must just go and buy it on Amazon.com for yourself and download it. It's $7, really. It's Christian books are mostly $7. You, you will be fine. I think there should be a little bit of etiquette around that. I, I bring that up because there is a concept here that is very important when it comes to being chosen by God. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus, in fact, borrows things from people. He said to Peter, can I borrow your boat? He said to an unknown man, can I borrow the donkey? He said to a different man, can I borrow your dining room for a last supper? These were all borrowed. Jesus has good etiquette. The state in which I shall return it will be better than the state in which I got it. So I borrow your boat, but Peter, I'll fill it with fish. There's something about that that represents the nature of God. Because the Bible says that God owes no man anything and will never be indebted to a man because God is God. How then would we respond if God said to you, I don't want to borrow your car. I don't want to borrow your book. I'll write one. I don't need to borrow your upper room or borrow a donkey. 
I'm literally think the only person here who has access to a donkey in Cyprus. Um, what if God said, can I borrow you? I'm going, so I will be bodiless. I must create a body of Christ on the earth. Would you mind if I borrow you? And then here's where the charismatic chaos takes it the wrong direction. So let me bring it back to the right direction. I will never leave you depleted for the borrowing. I'll put you in a better state in every way uh, in, than you were when I found you because I am the Lord God and I am indebted to no man. So if I must borrow you and I need something, I, I, would you mind, would you mind, I need your house for an abused family for a little season. Do you mind if I borrow that? I will restore to you blessings in homes and spaces, transactions and sales where your price is the right price, where your place is the right place because I have chosen you to borrow something from you, but I won't leave you at your expense doing my work. This, this idea uh, is why Christians often read these passages where God says, I will bless you abundantly with many houses. There is an actual verse in the Bible, we'll go there, that says, if I give up houses and give up fields and give up fathers and mothers, we'll be blessed a hundredfold with houses and fathers and mothers and in this life and the next. But we skip the part in the middle where God says, I just need to borrow you for your lifetime to be my hands and my feet on the earth, that is to be chosen. We mix it up. We think that being chosen is about getting saved and we keep reducing Christianity to a rescue mission. And Christianity is not to be reduced to a rescue mission, in which case we might as well chance it and wait until uh, we feel like we've come to the end of our fun and then give our lives to God uh, to be rescued. No, it is a restoration mission to take what was broken and set it right, what the devil messed with and get it back, what Satan uh, 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 um, polluted and clean it up. So you're not chosen in the sense that, you know, you're chosen to go to heaven and, oh, shame, your brother isn't. You are chosen to make sure your brother is. And in exchange, I'll never leave you in debt for the sacrifice. And if you don't get it here, you'll get it Okay, so, so far this is easy. Well, I sort of, it gets harder. Can I go there? And then I'll prove all of this in scripture and then I'll rush home. I'm coming back tonight though. Tonight's gonna be lit. Tired of playing church, we're gonna. Uh, it gets harder. I, I need to talk to somebody who doesn't know me. Uh, imagine this conversation in heaven. They are dying of cancer and I need to talk to them. I may have to borrow someone who's also fighting cancer but knows me. 
you mind if I borrow you? I've got to put you in the same hospital ward. But don't worry, I won't keep you. I won't keep you in debt for that. I've got somebody who's lost a child. So I might have to borrow somebody who's been through that, but knows me to be a light. I've chosen you. I find the Christian arrogance that sometimes creeps in that says, well, I've been chosen and I get it. And unfortunately, there are some who are dim-witted and don't get it. So unbiblical as to be utterly annoying. When we say we are chosen, it is the most humbling, sacrificing thing you could imagine. That God should favor me to put his presence in me so that I can find the assignment for which he has chosen me. What a powerful idea that might be. John chapter 9 has exactly an example like this in Jesus' own lifetime. He says, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. This is the one where he makes the mud, spits it into the ground. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do, we, 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 we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And everybody keeps wanting to say, well, whose fault is it? Who sinned the most? Is it the parent? Is it the child? Is it? Jesus said, just stop asking that question. The question you should ask is, how can I be the light to the world? This man was set up so that the glory of God may be revealed. I am sent to him so that God may be glorified. And we can push back the dark clouds and establish a firm line of light in the world. Christians need to stop giving up and assuming that the world is dark and we must run away from it and wait until the trumpet sounds. We're supposed to take light into the darkness so that the darkness can flee from it and the darkness doesn't comprehend it and we've got to step up, step out and brighten up. Got to brighten up. I need to calm down a bit, eh? No, not. I got an SMS the other day from a friend there in the third or fourth row. I'm going to say it. He said, oh, you preach so full of enthusiasm. It was like the pre-pandemic, George. I'm coming back. <laughs> Loud. <laughs> I, 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 want to, I want to encourage you. Jesus himself did it. You and I are to do it. It's what we were called for. If you've ever asked the question, why me? Then the answer is because there is somebody some place, some business, some leadership role that God needs you to represent him in. That's why we're chosen. And I, I think this idea is very, very powerful. We, we, I think we've given up too much. And that is the idea that darkness will always get darker. Things are getting worse. Do you know, I get very irritated by that term. What things? 
because it's very important. Things not under the control of Jesus are definitely getting worse, but things in the light, they go from strength to strength, from glory to glory, ever-increasing measure of brightness. I think we, uh, if not, then I'm missing my assignment. I have misunderstood my choosing. I used to agonize about this, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the, as far as I'm aware, except in the Catholic and so forth church, I'm the only sort of pastor or lead pastor of a church who's single. I used to agonize about that so much. I'm so excited that there are married people. All they want to talk about is how they recently got married. I'm so excited about it because you're all sick of me talking about that. But, but here's the thing. Do you know what the Lord showed me? Hang on. I chose you in the state that you're in. There's a verse that actually says in the state that you were in that you might follow him in that state because maybe there's another pastor or two or five who don't feel that call of marriage on their lives and worry that they can't be used by God. And my assignment is to stand alongside them and say, follow me, let me tell you the road you're going to walk. And by the way, the church should be very careful not to only have one type of person in it. We must have enough kinds of lights to be able to be a light in any room. Be a light in a multicultural marriage. Be a light in a high income. And I'm scared of that. This church needs a couple more millionaires in it because we need some lights there because that's where certain decisions are. Look, we literally need lights in South Africa, but that's another whole other, that's an Eshkom situation I don't want to deal with now. But we need some, because some decision makers are making decisions with multi-million rand impact and nobody with the gospel wants to be in the room because we're acting humble like that's evil. Just be careful about that. You've got to have... Paul, actually, there's a, what are we doing on time? I mean, I've literally, I'm so far behind. I, have, I don't even know. Paul literally wrote to a, a, a business person in the book of Philemon or Philemon, if you're from South Africa, <laughs> and said, look, this slave here uh, has wronged you. Uh, and stolen from you. They were both in prison together because they, sometimes that's where God needs a person. Chosen. Do me a favor, he says to his boss, I'm going to send him back, but now as a saved person. And the stuff he stole, just put it on my account. I'll sort it out when I get back. Well, how are you going to do that if everybody's Unable. Do I believe that God gives financial resources to the children of God? Without a doubt, if you are on assignment and understand that you are chosen. Aside from that, like whether you're Christian or not Christian, I don't think God looks at us and goes, well, you own a Bible. I should give you a bigger house. I, mean, I think that's bizarre. But I think on the other side, you discharged your duty. I'll owe you nothing. I'll bless you abundantly. So the reason is because God has an assignment for you. I was going to read the entire Matthew 19, 23, how hard it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. But I, I, time doesn't allow me to get into that. Just verse 29 says that everyone who has left, that's a powerful verse, who has who has 
committed to, who has opened up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. You know how many people here have, and in, 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 in the church community, have been fathers to the fatherless, have been big brothers, have given up space in their home, not just for their own children, not just have given lifts to people to to church or help them get a job, acted as fathers and mothers, and you say, well, I've sacrificed. Let me tell you what the Lord says. I'll repay you and reward you. The second thing is that the reward is connected to the responsibility. That's what it means to be chosen. I love this verse. The same one I read at the beginning, but from the message. It says this, what a God we have. It's 1 Peter 1. And how fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master, Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and made whole. God watches over us. That's what it means to be chosen. It means not only that we have a reason, not only that we get rewarded, but that it means we have responsibility. There is something powerful about recognizing that I have a duty. 1 Peter 2 says, but you are the chosen by God chosen for this high calling of priestly work. He wasn't writing that to me. I mean, to all of us, not just priests, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. We're chosen. I consider myself blessed and highly favored, fortunate to have been chosen to carry this wonderful responsibility of being light to the world. I have said yes when Jesus has said, could I borrow you? In the acknowledgement that when I do that, God rewards my sacrifice. Colossians 3 says, therefore, as God's holy people, uh, uh, holy and, 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 and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another. If anyone has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. I, I forgive because I'm chosen. I want nothing in the way. Many uh, years ago, I think I've mentioned to you that when I turned 13, my father sent me on a sort of coming of age um, hunt five days in the bush. We, we were taught survival skills, you know. I mentioned that to you before. They were had to shoot an, a, a deer, a, a, a springbok, and then, and yet another animal is harmed in the telling of a sermon at Father's house. It was all supposed to be like growing up and the thing. But one of the things um, they did um, in those five days was randomly drop us off in the bush 
with a compass and said, come home. I thought it was so ridiculous. What set of circumstances would prevail in my life that I would be randomly in a bush somewhere with a compass, with people I don't know? It's like, you know, I've really been enjoying going back to gym, but I always, always think, okay, people were teasing me not so long ago, don't do gym, do, do, do CrossFit, do something functional. Oh, gym is a joke, you know, curling things. When will you need to curl things? You should do functional fitness CrossFit. And I do like it and I think it's wonderful. I'm just tired. <laughs> so I said, okay, let me do functional fitness with you, something more practical. So the guy says, come, take this tire, this tractor tire, put it on your shoulder and then climb up this rope. Hang on. <laughs> what is happening in your functional life? What series of events would need to happen for you to have a tractor tire, a rope, and have to climb out of it? What is going on in this war zone of yours that you call, that you call your life? I think I'll stick to the peg decks at uh, the gym, thanks. So it's functional. Anyway, I'm going to get emails for that, for sure. For sure. I can see some of you writing them now. But we got thrown out in the bush and we had to make our way. And something interesting happened uh, we got to know each other a little bit because now we needed each other's input. And the compass was very important because I think you don't want to waste time. So the Bible is your compass, so you've got to know where you're going. And you need one another, <laughs> you're going to get very lost. And it makes for a scary place. You're not, you know, hyenas sound like demons at night. I just want you to know that. Hyenas sound like demons. When I first heard a hyena laughing, I... Some of you are practicing right now. I, I was ready. I was ready. I was like this. I was full on, like I'm so normal and then charismatic. Out in the, out in the name of Jesus. I was like full on like on the edge there. Uh, because there are some horrible sounds out there and it gets dark at times. And if we don't have one another, it's a scary place out there. And the compass. And then here's the part though. Here's the, the grace of it. I thought, you know, these adults are very irresponsible could die out there. I didn't know that a, a few meters out of sight, the camp director was following us. And you know, you think, oh, I'm lost. Where's God? The hyenas are loud. <laughs> I'm here with these people. But your director is following just over the horizon, walking you. Chosen, chosen. He watches over his word to perform it. The eyes of the Lord, says Second Chronicles, roam across the earth to see those who apply his word and show himself strong on their behalf. Chosen. How am I chosen? What does the clip say? I'm not the perfect Christian. But when I let go of control, well, he wasn't looking for perfection. He already has that in Jesus Christ. He was just looking for availability. And he has that in anyone who says, yes, Lord. I want to encourage you today on this topic of grace to treat your being chosen into the family of God as this great privilege. To never look down on somebody who doesn't get it yet because you are chosen because they exist. 
Instead, to apply yourself, consider how we might stir one another up toward love and good works. And let us not fake, forsake the assembling of ourselves together. This whole idea of I'm on a mission, I need to get together with other mission people. And we need to talk together about how we're going to be on mission in dark places in the earth, for I am chosen. And if I sacrifice resources and lifts and houses and had to say no to some family events because I had to say yes to some father events, then God says, don't worry, I will reward you more than your boat can carry. You can call your friends to come help catch the fish. You wouldn't be able to put it all in the boat, trust me. I find Christians are often poor of spirit because they are so shallow in assignment. You have not because you ask not, and when you do ask, you spend it on yourself. Didn't I say I was going to say amen and I'll tell it out of here to safety. I am chosen. I am predestined. It is the call of God. It is nothing to be arrogant about. It is to be humble. I think the Lord is going to bless in many ways, including resources, homes, cars, all kinds of ways. But you know why that doesn't bother me? doesn't get my heart twisted. I have a feeling when he gives me a resource, I'm going to have to ask the question, what is the assignment for this resource, Lord? And then in the end he says, well, do you mind, instead of borrowing the car from you, or the house from you, can I just borrow you? I'm chosen. The church needs to get its chosenness back in its head. I, um, let me conclude in the following way, with this sentence. I think everybody needs a church. But the church also needs you. So when people say, I don't think I need a church, You've separated yourself from the assignment that even though that may feel true, what if it's the church that needs? I need a body. I'm going home. Can I borrow you? For he is the head. And we are the body. And the eye should never say to the foot, I don't need you. Okay, I've tapped out. Could we stand together to pray? Um, while you do that, thank you. While you do that, North End, there are more pancakes. There shall be pancakes from now until the trumpet sounds. And the dead in Christ are raised. But do go and support this is for uh, all proceeds. Our young adults are, are investing into a baby home, a place of safety. I think it's this in Tembi, so I'm, I'm not sure. So um, we're wonderful if you, you continue to support that. I'd like to take a moment. We're wrapping up the Grace Series next Sunday and for the next four or five weeks. Your own pastors will be preaching at the other sites. I'll be uh, here. Um, 
But this is a fundamental mindset for our churches, that we are chosen by God and it is all His grace, not our effort. So I'd like to take a moment to pray. And in this prayer, would you consider in your own hearts, in your, under your own breath, saying yes to the assignment and to acknowledge it as a great honor. Lord, thank you for the privilege of surrendering control. We like to be in control, Lord, but would you help us to release that into your care and, and, and trust you because you're trustworthy. You are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. Thank you, Father, that according to Scripture, you owe no man anything. Thank you, Lord, that we are to owe the world this debt of gratitude, of love. You instruct us to owe the world love. Would you please teach us to say yes to the request that we might be your hands and feet on the earth, that we are chosen not just to make it to heaven. We are chosen to be your body on the earth. Would you teach us the privilege of that, to be carefree in our willingness to do that? Will you teach us the joy of what happens when we do that? I've given myself a minute or two um, to, to hold one final prayer. Whether you're online or, or in a room, I, I feel it's important that we start by saying yes to, to the Lord. And, and I think that's a, a very powerful and important idea. And I, I, I want to ask you, if you here this morning uh, or listening to this later than live, um, I haven't done that yet. There are four, five hundred people watching live online. There are people in each room. If you haven't said yes to the Lord, um, I would like you to do that. And I wonder if you close your eyes for a moment just for the sake of privacy. I, I do think an action is appropriate. Do you know there is no exact verse that is a prayer in the Bible. There's no, ver there's no like sinner's prayer in the Bible. It, it's just the scripture, a few scriptures that say, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's these lines that declare it. So we've put those lines together into a prayer. And I'm going to read this prayer. But before I do so, I wonder if anyone's brave enough in the uh, privacy of eyes closed to, to put your hand up and say, I'm going to pray that prayer uh, this morning. And I'm going to say yes to the Lord. And I'm going to get in on being a follower. And then from there, I'm going to be obedient to the call of God on my life to do what he's called me to do on this earth. If you're ready to pray that prayer, why don't you just raise your hand long enough for me to see it and then just stick it down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Certainly in this room, and I'm believing in faith in every other room, I'm believing online. You can literally say, I put my hand up or put the hand up emoji on the chat section. And then this prayer, which you can pray in your heart, I'll pray out loud. It goes like this. Dear Jesus, you said in the Bible that whoever hears your words and believes God sent you to set me free from my debts of sin has eternal life and will not be judged, but is crossed over from death to life. I confess that I believe you. I receive salvation from my sins and new life in my soul. I now cross over from death to life. Amen. Amen. 